0: In this episode, we'll be learning all about how we could heal from toxic relationships from a therapist, YouTube creator, and the best-selling author of a book entitled Out of the Fog into the clear. She earned a clinical license in social work and substance abuse counseling and is also a board-certified diplomat in clinical social work. Welcome to the show, Shannon. How are you doing?
1: Thanks. I'm doing great, Toby. I appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for a thoughtful conversation on this episode. I'm really grateful that we connected and we're going to be having this conversation because even before we recorded, I was saying relationships are since that we we all have basically either with ourselves with other people even when we are isolated we have relationships <laughs> with ourselves basically <laughs> so we, we are we are social beings like you said also like so that's why I'm I'm so excited because you're going to be helping us to improve our relationships with ourselves you're going to help us to heal from toxic relationships that we've had in the past also so you know I would just love us to start out with you like um you you studied social work and you st- you got your clinical um, license in substance abuse counseling. What's inspired all of this? Why did you go in that direction, that part of life?
1: I don't know. Uh, it was an interesting journey. I think that originally I wanted to be a doctor or a veterinarian. And then I realized that my calling was really in talking with people and helping them to heal. And I didn't understand enough about it. So I decided to go on to grad school and uh, study it. And I had an incredible program at the University of Connecticut, met some incredible professors and learned a lot about group work and individual work. And then a lot of my education, I think, has really been on the job. So I've worked in inpatient, outpatient, uh, residential programs. I've created a couple of residential programs and I've been in private practice for quite a while now.
0: Yes, that's awesome. And that, that you know, gives you the opportunity to, um deal with a lot of people or, you know, um, have conversations or, you know, have some treatment with a lot of people. And that also gives you an insight into the kind of relationships they have with other people out there and with themselves also, and what led them to, you know, substance abuse, um, substance abuse for example, or, you know, social work, basically, you know, it involves people, people in general. And, right. um, yes. And, you know, this also... I believe, must have inspired your book, right? Can you tell us more about your book and, you know, the inspiration behind Out of the Fog, Into the Clear"?
1: Yeah. So they, the book actually came as a result of my YouTube channel. I went to, wanted to share, it was a few years ago when there were a bunch of high-profile high suicides, and I realized that there are just millions of people in the world that don't have access to a therapist, and they don't really understand a lot about therapy or or mental health in general, and I really felt like I had a lot to share, but I felt like, you know, people are watching YouTube, they're not reading books. And so I, I started a YouTube channel called Therapist Talks and it, um, it kind of piddled along for a little bit and then it kind of blew up, which was really cool. And um, so what it tended towards was the narcissistic relationships, abusive relationships. Those were the videos that people really wanted. And so then I kind of focused more and more on relationships and toxic relationships and narcissistic and abusive relationships. And that um, seemed to be what really people really needed to hear. And then I got to the point where I felt like I need to bring this all together in a way that, that people can um, utilize it to heal. And so it's not only information and strategies and perspectives, but it actually has hundreds of journal prompts throughout the book. And so if you really want to do the work and you really want to get well, you can dive into this book. It's best if you have a therapist, but even if you don't, this can be a self-help book. And then you can walk through all these journal prompts, starting with your relationship with yourself, and then looking at how that has set you up for toxic relationships in your life healing the relationship with yourself and then beginning to set boundaries and, um, and be stronger in your relationships with others.
0: I'll place the, the link to your book in the show notes of this episode. So I encourage everyone to just go to the show notes and just click on the link, copy the link. It's also available on your, um, through your website also. So your, the Thank link to your website also will be available in the show notes of this episode. And your YouTube channel is amazing too, because I was I was watching some videos before, before this conversation started. And I watched one about, you know... Dealing with anger Basically You know um, Being the angry person Or being around someone Who is angry Or um, You know when someone is being angry at you or when you're angry at someone and you really dive into that, I would encourage people to check out that video and (laughs) check out other videos too about narcissistic behaviors and also all of that. But, you you know, um, I'll also focus a little bit on on relationships because I'm so excited to to learn about this. But I first want you to enlighten us on some characteristics or attributes of a toxic, abusive or narcissistic relationship. How can we know? when we are in one, how can we know when we are the ones causing this or when another person is causing it?
1: Great questions, Toby. Thanks. Um, I think the essence of a narcissistic or abusive or toxic relationship is that it is not a, a love relationship. So I did a video recently about how, um, so did, uh, did the narcissist ever really love me? A lot of people ask me that question, especially when they're kind of getting to the reality of, leaving the relationship. And then they think, was I in this all by myself the whole time? Did the person ever really love me? And, and if we look at what love is, and I talk about this in the video, you know, going to the Bible, love is patient, love is kind. It does not brag. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's, um, you know, it's caring, it's sharing, it's all these things. And if you look at a toxic relationship, it's the opposite. The person is selfish. They are completely all about themselves. They don't give, they don't share, they don't engage in a healthy way. They are not um, aware of or empathic towards your feelings. They are um, they are controlling and manipulative primarily to get what they want and, and nothing else is really important. So they don't have any, uh, the essence of it is non-empathy. And if you think about a person who's non-empathic, they can't care about other people's emotions, and so therefore, they're not caring for your emotions. And love is a verb. You know, in our culture, we get very confused. We think love is just this little gooey feeling we have around this person. but A lot of times, that's lust, and it's not love at all, right? And so if you think about love, love is a verb. So when I love someone, I'm actively caring for and sharing with and engaged with them in a caring, mutually Um, wonderful relationship and toxic relationships are manipulative and controlling so that that person gets what they want and they don't care about you what you want so part of how you can tell if you're in a toxic relationship is to ask yourself if you're feeling loved if you feel like you can be yourself if you feel like um you matter and if it's kind of on and off then it's probably that you're being love bombed and then devalued and then love bombed and then devalued. So that's part of the problem too, is that these relationships can be really tricky. They can start off with that love bombing, which you know feels great and feels wonderful and feels like you are being loved, but then the devaluing happens. So somebody who really loves you is not going to trash you. Um, So a lot of times people will spend a lot of time and energy trying to get back to where they started in the relationship. But if that love bombing was just a manipulation, you're never going to get back to that because it was never genuine to begin with.
0: Mm, Yes, yes. Wow. And, you know, once we get to that point where we realize, oh, have been manipulated. <laughs> how can we get out of this of that relationship or that situation physically and most importantly emotionally?
1: So that's where the recognition of the fog comes in um, because the the fog stands for fear obligation and guilt. And when we look at how we get buried in that fear obligation and guilt with that person, that's what sinks us into that into that fog where we literally can't see clearly and so I use the analogy of ocean fog and sailing I'm a lifelong sailor and and I love sailing I love the ocean so you'll see on my website it's all about <laughs> ocean yeah. and boats and stuff like that yeah. so yeah. and on my on the cover I have the fog and then I have the clear and the sailboats in both and when you're deep in that fog you're all you're so i talk in the book about how there are two parts of our brain. There's the little amygdala, which is like a little walnut-sized part of of our midbrain. And all it knows how to do is fight, flight, or freeze. So if you have something very stressful happen, you're going to go get a jolt of adrenaline to your brain, and you're going to go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And in that mode, your higher cortex, your rational centers are kind of offline. Because I mean, this is kind of our God given ability to fight, flight or freeze. And you don't need to think it through, you just need to act, right? So that's, that's a great thing, except when it's firing off all the time, and then you get overwhelmed with cortisol and build up and stress and it becomes exhausting. But if you recognize that that's the that little amygdala is in fight, flight or freeze all the time, And then you can calm that down and take the information, the reality, the facts, upstairs and rationally think them through. And so I use the analogy of having like a radar. So if you're in fog and you're sailing, you need your radar. And so you're looking at the radar and you're looking out at this fog and you can't see anything. But on the radar, you can see the outline of a rock. You can see the outline of the shoreline. You can see other ships coming your way. And then you have to trust those facts in order to sail clear of the fog. And that's the way we have to get out of the relationship. We have to shut down that little fight flight freeze mode and rationally look at the facts. So lay out the facts. So I have you journal all the facts of this relationship. Well, that person did this, they said that they did this, they said that. And when you lay out all the facts, Then you have to ask yourself, if I were to hear this from my best friend, would I tell them to get out? Yeah. (laughs) And so then you have to be your own best friend and stick with those facts, make a good decision and then walk it through.
0: That's awesome. And I would love to like maybe go into much more details about journaling. How can we effectively journal our way out of a toxic relationship? How can we journal to heal ourselves from a toxic relationship or some traumas from the past also?
1: So, the first part is to look at our toxic relationship with ourselves. And mm-hmm. so many people, maybe everyone, I don't know, but most people have a somewhat toxic relationship with themselves. And some people have an extremely toxic relationship with themselves. So that Internally, they're talking down about themselves constantly. So everybody has stress in in their lives and everybody has um, traumas and dramas and things. But when we walk through a trauma or drama or stress and say, you got this, you can do this, then we're minimizing our stress. When we walk through that trauma or drama and we're going, oh, you idiot, you're always doing stupid stuff like this. You are just such a loser. What is wrong with you? then we're just piling it on and we're just making our lives absolutely miserable. So you have to recognize first that internal toxic voice. And if it's there, then you need to write that all out. So that's one of the first journal prompts is going to be writing out all that toxic stuff. And the next part of it is to recognize how the things that you actually do like and respect about yourself so, a lot of times, people will have to kind of think about what their friends would say about them. Um, you know, my friends say that I'm funny. My friends say that I'm a good friend. My friends say I'm a good listener, or whatever those kinds of things are. Um I'm honest, I'm direct. I'm you know, those kind of character qualities. So our culture is also very focused on superficial. You don't don't need that. You need to focus on character qualities. So here you've got these lies and here you've got these truths. Okay. So I'm stupid. I'm worthless. I can't do anything right. Well, actually I did this. I did this. I did this. I did this. I have lots of people who really love me and care about me and they're pretty good people. And they say this about me. So these are the lies. These are the truths. And you have to kind of then look at that and say, that's an old voice. That's an old story. And I'm ready to let it go. And so <laughs> your your podcast is called Mirror Talk. And I know that's about like how you talk to yourself, right?
0: Yes, yes. I just, you know, go into the bedroom, for example, I like stand in front of the mirror. <sighs> then I become honest with myself, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And whenever I get all, the, like you just said, um, Shannon, um, whenever I, I hear maybe some evil thoughts or some you know negative thoughts coming to myself and i try to find a way to get to the root of it why am i having those thoughts and i try to find a way to you know um get out of that evil thoughts basically or to let, get rid of it and that's why i'm I'm, I'm so i'm so happy that i'm speaking with you today because i would love to know the best way to let's let go of those in um inner toxic self thoughts also yeah.
1: yeah. Well, when you have those two things written out, and you've really spent some time writing them out, the other thing I like to do in therapy, and like I said, you can do this ideally with a therapist in conjunction, but you can use it as a self-help book too, and and process it with a dear friend or somebody. Um, but when you see those things, is there some person that's related to those? Is it a parent? Is it you know middle school? bullies or what when did you start to believe those things about yourself and these truths are truths you're not standing there in the mirror going I like myself like the old <laughs> Saturday Night Live skit you know where he yeah
0: <laughs> I love them so much I love SNL <laughs> that was so
1: hilarious <laughs> but but that makes us feel phony right that 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 just doesn't ring true but if there are things that you can write down and this is hard for some people but if there are things that you can write down that you know to be true about you because other people have reflected those things back at you or you know you know i am kind of a stand-up person even though i've been through a lot of bad things i show up for people and i you know i volunteer to help children and i you know I want other people's lives to be better than mine were, was. And so those kinds of things. So these, again, these are the truths. These are the lies when you can put somebody's voice or face on top of that, those lies and say, well, wait a minute, that's so-and-so's voice. And that's garbage. And I don't need to buy into that anymore. So when you hear that come up, you say, Nope, that's garbage. And then you superimpose the truths and say, Nope, I'm actually a good, respectful caring loving empathic compassionate person and that and you superimpose that and when you do that and you you have to practice it because somebody said that we talk to ourselves inside our own heads like forty thousand times a day and i don't know who counted that but that's a lot <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a lot yeah that's a lot
1: <laughs> and if you imagine somebody sitting next to you going Ew, you're you suck you're terrible you're Ugly, you're stupid, blah, blah, blah. 40,000 times, you'd be discouraged and depressed True. and anxious and a mess. So when you recognize that that has to be done away with and that you really have these truths that you actually believe, like if you met you, what would you like about you? Mm.
0: That's a very important question, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a question one has to reflect on actually. If I if I meet myself, if I meet Toby, what would I love about Toby? <laughs> wow. Yeah, <God>, deep question.
1: <laughs> a hard
0: one. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah, it's a very difficult question. I I have to think about that for, for some days.
1: <laughs>
0: Here. Well, you know, when, when you talk about journaling, I would love to know. You know, sometimes I, I I've read and I've also experienced that sometimes our brain tries to protect us from past traumas or toxic things that have happened in the past by making us forget them in some ways. Okay. So when we start when we start journaling, are we, are, we, are we going to be able to remember those things and be able to process them on paper, pen and paper with pen and paper, or does that really work in that way too, journaling?
1: You know, I kind of like to trust the brain to not give us too much. And when when somebody is having a hard time remembering things, I don't tell them that they have to dig through that or have to get specifics on that or anything, because there was kind of, back in the 80s, there was a lot of focus on that, that you really had to um, have this massive catharsis. Um, But in the current belief system about trauma, a lot of times we want to just see what happened in whatever way we can tolerate it. And we're not trying to get to a place of complete blasting apart of our ability to cope. We're actually trying to process it in a way that we can tolerate it. So in in my trauma work with people, we go as slowly or as quickly as they want to go. And I'm not trying to dig it out any faster than they really can tolerate it and cope. Um, so sometimes repressed memories are a good thing and we don't want to beat up on ourselves about that. You yes. kind of, in fact, maybe thank yourself for protecting you from that. Um, mm-hmm. And and a lot of times even in the EMDR trauma work I do, what we're looking for is is not just what happened but the story that we made around that. So if somebody has a traumatic childhood the story that they built around that, such as I'm unworthy of love, or I'm, you know, ugly or I'm a burden or those kinds of things. Those are the, the things that we want to look at because it's that story that you take forward with you into your life. And that yeah. story is what really tortures you throughout your life. The the actual abuse is is past and gone and you survived it. Um, but the story lives on.
0: That's true. That's very true. I, well, you know, sometimes some people have this difficulty of um, of letting go of some toxic, um, you know, bonding or relationships because they are so familiar with it. I mean, that's that's all they know basically, and they don't know if there's anything better out there for them, or they have, they, are, they are they are they have this fear of or they're afraid of you know losing you know, this that bonding they have with this person or some advantages that they actually get also, even though they have more disadvantages. How would you advise such people when you're in such a situation or circumstance?
1: Yeah, it's very complex because not only can it be family who you care about, um, but it can also be that you've trauma bonded to that person so that the more, the more time you spend with a person who is traumatic and then draws you back in and then is creating trauma and then is drawing you back in that cycle turns into a trauma bond. So you, you start to devalue yourself and you start to run yourself down and then basically their work is done because you're, you're doing that work on yourself constantly. So it's very, very hard to get separated from that person. So it can be that they're family and that there's a lot of, you know, connection there. And it can also be that if you've just spent enough time with them and you've devalued yourself enough that it's really, really hard to get free. So part of what you need to do is again, look at the facts and look at how hard it is on you. So when, you, when you're when you getting that constant adrenaline rush to your brain, it's almost like drinking poison. It's a very toxic, you know, toxic, um, I keep using that word, but it literally is toxic to our bodies and to our minds and to our um, every part of us. It actually destroys our immune system. It destroys our our um, dopamine system. So it's hard to be happy. It gives us anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, exhaustion. So all mm-hmm. of those things can be because of a toxic relationship. So we have to list those facts out, you know, before I met this person or before I was with this person, this is what I felt like. And this was what my life was like. And now this is what my life is like. And this is how I feel. And most people will feel very bankrupted emotionally, physically, even financially because of all the manipulation and control.
0: Whenever we think about um toxic relationship, we think, oh, a, a, a party or someone in, this, in that relationship um, is toxic or is bad. Is it possible to also have a, a combination where both people are good people, but them being together is just traumatic and toxic?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really <laughs> run into that very much. Usually one person is being very... Um, all about themselves. Now sometimes they hmm. cover it better. So we call that a covert narcissist um, because sometimes that person is really, really good at showing to the world their charming side. And so hmm. it's it's very difficult and tricky. And the person who's being manipulated, controlled, and abused often feels like they're going crazy. It's called gaslighting. And oh. so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they don't You know, they don't know which way is up because this person is telling them that they're the abusive one or that they, no, I never said that. I never did that. You're crazy. And so Mm. over time, a lot of times people will feel literally like they're going crazy.
0: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I I can't, I I understand what you're saying. I mean, sometimes we think, oh, okay, but I, I I must have been sleeping or been drugged when you, when that happened, when you said, when you said, I I did that thing, for example, or I said that, for example. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, sometimes we, 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 try to make things work. We try to like, okay, you're a good person. Um, and, and, um, and, I feel bonded to you, basically, and um, we're we're trying to please the person, we're trying to, you know, play the the role in order to ensure that the relationship, you know, grows or moves forward. Then we we end up then undermining ourselves. Uh, Are there like some ways we could stop undermining ourselves? We could stop being people pleasing, for example.
1: Yeah, I call it the three P's, people pleasing, placating and peacekeeping. And a lot Mm -hmm. of us grew up in that role and our family, and then we're really good at that role. So we have to notice again, where that old story came from and recognize that that's an old story. That's really toxic for us because if we're constantly doing the peacekeeping and pleasing people, pleasing and placating, then we're not being true to ourselves. We're not taking care of our own emotional health. We're not taking care of ourselves emotionally, physically taking care of our dreams, our, our, our aspirations, any of it. Our total 100% focus has to be on their moods, their emotions, their ups and downs. And that Mm. can be, um, again, how we sort of beat ourselves up throughout that relationship. But it it is hard to suss it out. And a lot of times people will try and try and try and try. And that's a noble pursuit. That's wonderful because truly relationships take work. Um, Good relationships take work. Um, good marriages take work. So it isn't that we want to say, oh, somebody upset me one time, I'm out. <laughs> you know, that ability to be dedicated and committed and and loyal and and try again is obviously a really, those are really good qualities. But yeah. if at the end of the day, the abuse and the manipulation and the control is there, you have to realize that that's the reality of the situation that's the radar reality those are the facts and so then you have to make that decision to leave the relationship but the the difficulty is that you maybe are trauma bonded and also that it's just so automatic to placate and peace keep so you have to really check those things at the door and stop doing those things and then you have to also not beat yourself up on the way out like Oh, I was so stupid to stay for so long. You know, I talk mm-hmm. in the book about forgiving yourself because those were good qualities. Those, mm. those were part of what you ought to respect and like about yourself. Yes. The commitment, the loyalty, the dedication, the ability to stick with something when it gets hard. Those are good qualities. So you don't want to beat yourself up. You have to say, those are good qualities. I just need to be careful who I share them with. Yeah, and I, yeah. I need to that's have a true. better creepo meter
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's very true. And I was, I was about to say that, yeah, that's where your book comes into play or it helps even us to journal better because you have these journal um, prompts and people could also use that also i know if one checks on amazon you can read the first chapter and then you can see the some of the journal um prompts also listed there which are very very good for you know, for helping us to reflect better and to help us write down things better or process our thoughts even much more better yes
1: yeah,
0: yes thank you I, I in fact you talked about you know not beating ourselves up on our way out basically like you know having okay these are are the good qualities i had in this relationship but i'm not going to share with anybody but i'm going to appreciate this embrace this and not um beat myself up basically or um yeah go back to this negative self-thoughts again or internal self-thoughts that are, are bad for us that's good
1: yeah the 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 tendency of that is so powerful and i've think I've heard that from every single client who ever got out of a negative relationship. I am I was so stupid and that's just automatic out of their mouths right away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And it's just so, you know, you have to help them check that and recognize there's nothing stupid about any of this. Very intelligent, very capable, very wonderful people have gotten sucked into very terrible relationships and had a hard time getting out because of their good qualities. So you have to recognize your good qualities, keep them, but just know mm-hmm. that you have to have a better uh, chooser. You have to choose better <laughs> and have a better creepometer meter that goes off when the person is not a good person for you uh, yeah. and that's not healthy for you.
0: Yes, yes. And this will lead me to ask, to ask you about boundaries, basically, like boundaries and setting of um, standards or values, for example, when we get into a relationship or in a relationship. So how can we create this? How can we create and maintain all boundaries, all standards of values with ourselves and with others, with people that we're in relationships with?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The boundaries are extremely important. And if you are taking good care of yourself emotionally and talking to yourself in healthier ways, then you are going to be better set up to healthy boundaries if you're beating up on yourself then you're going to resonate Mm. with somebody who beats up on you too and so Mm. when they say something awful about you you're like yeah that's true (laughs) and you can't (laughs) so you can't be in that place or you are set Mm. up to connect with and accept from um, a toxic person so you have to know that you're not accepting of that with within yourself and you wouldn't yeah. accept that from somebody else. But then boundaries yeah. are really interesting. I think we, we have to be in touch with our own emotions, um, taking care of ourselves emotionally, physically, um, yeah. spiritually, and in every way. And when we're doing that, then we are a whole person and we are able to be with another whole person. And when yes. someone starts to be a parasite or a Vampire with us and tries to kind of suck the life out of us, we go, mm, that doesn't work for me. So you'll mm, notice mm. that your creepo meter will go off. I did a, mm. a video about developing a trustworthy creepometer. meter. So <laughs> a lot of people say, How am I ever going to trust somebody again? I don't want you yeah. to trust somebody. I want you to learn to trust yourself. So mm. when you have developed a really good self care and a really good self understanding and you can trust yourself, then when you meet somebody, you know whether they're okay or not. And, yeah. and you're willing to take the time to really learn who they are. Because people mm-hmm. can act apart for a while, but you can't please all the people. I mean, you can't fool all the people all the time, oh. long term. So somebody can play a good role, but then eventually you're going to see them frustrated. You're going to see them disappointed. You're going to see them angry. What do they mm. do with that? Do they blast you? Do they attack people? Do they blame others when it's really their doing? Do they, you know, get really reactive to something that's not a big deal? So mm. those are all the things that sort of you should be looking for when you're getting into new relationship and when you're in relationship with other people. You know, and a lot of people are in toxic relationships with a parent. Or an adult child, and I've had a lot of um, a lot of that question um, coming to me lately, especially about adult children. One of the mm-hmm. videos I, I did a couple of years ago has just been going off the rails, and it's um, uh, dealing with a narcissistic son or daughter, and mm-hmm. I think that that can be really tough. And sometimes they will use um, the grandchildren as sort of the um, the hostage, <laughs> if you will. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they'll say, well, you can't see the grandkids because you made me mad or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you didn't give me what I wanted and so you can't come over and see the grandkids this week. Um, mm-hmm. So things like that are really common nowadays and people are dealing with that kind of thing. So when you talk about boundaries have to know what you're willing to put up with and what you're not. And sometimes yeah. what happens is that when you set a good boundary, like say a a, a a parent sets a boundary with their kid, like when you talk to me rudely on the phone, I'm going to hang up. So every time that happens and you hang up, they can decide to well, I really needed to talk to mom, but she keeps hanging up on me. (laughs) I guess I better better zip it and stop cussing Mm. her out or whatever is happening. So Mm. sometimes boundaries work that way. And sometimes boundaries work because they let us know that this is not going to work. So another Mm. example would be, you know, a, a a man deciding that his boundary is when his wife is really off the rails and really raging and doing all that really toxic stuff that he is going to shut that down, leave the house, et cetera. So she can decide, Oh, wow, I need to change my behavior or Mm -hmm. she can really go off the rails and threaten suicide and violence and all that. So when, Mm -hmm. when the boundary actually creates worse behavior, then you go, Oh, okay, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so, the ba- so people say the boundaries don't work. Well, they work mm-hmm. because they either work to help change the behavior or they work to help you know behavior can't change and you have yeah. to change. You have to get out. You have to go no contact with that person. And then the, then one of the other challenges is to leave emotionally as well as physically because some people will leave physically, and they'll be 3000 miles away from the abusive person. And they'll still be obsessing on them. And they'll still be ruminating about them. And they'll still be thinking about them. And their focus, their attention, their emotions, all of it is still wrapped up in them. And they're still stalking them online. And they're still like all wrapped up in that. And so you have to emotionally leave as well as physically. And that's another piece of of the work that has to be done. Because we, we tend to you know, even on my channel, a lot of times people will say, well, is he a narcissist? Is he not? I'm like, who cares? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, it, if the yeah. relationship was toxic and you got mm. done with it and you feel better, it's time to let go. You know, it's time mm. to move on. It's time to rebuild your sense of self, rebuild your sense of your connections with others and rebuild your life. Because a lot mm. of times it's been so absorbed into that person. You cease to exist. And Mm. so a lot of times that's why people can't stop ruminating about the abusers because they can't, um, their focus has been so completely on that person and it's hard to, to fill in the gaps.
0: Wow. I mean, that, that that's a big challenge that we have to work on, right? I mean, to emotionally cleanse ourselves from that relationship, from that toxicity, and then rebuild ourselves, like you said. So uh, can you, like, walk us through this path? Are there, like, some ways, some things we could do in order to rebuild our sense of self, in order to um, regain our identity again and rebuild our values again and, you know, just become a better being after that?
1: Yeah, you. Um you. The rebuilding of of the sense of self kind of goes back to if you met you, what would you like about you? So that would be uh, that's your foundation of yes. of who you are. Um, we are our character qualities and our values. And again, in our culture, we tend to think of ourselves as um, what we do for a living. We think of ourselves as you know a persona on social media or. You know, if if we think our hair looks good that day, we like ourselves. And if we're, if we're having a bad hair day, we don't. Um, and the, all of that kind of garbage and superficial stuff. But if you can mm. identify the things that you really like and respect about yourself, that's the rebuilding of yourself. And that's really crucial. And so when we rebuild a sense of self, we have to start from the character qualities and values. And we're not perfect at any of it. But if I value um, compassion and empathy. And I can build on that. And I can claim that as something mm-hmm. that matters to me. Um, mm-hmm. So that's how we build or rebuild a sense of self. And then when we get that kind of mapped out, because it's it takes some time. And sometimes you can only come up with two or three things. And then later, you've got 10 things. And you can mm-hmm. really Uh, flesh that out and then rebuilding connections because one of the things about toxic relationships is that they isolate you Um, in order to control and manipulate they're going to isolate you Um, Mm -hmm. and that so when that person is gone all of a sudden it's like this big empty hole in your life and you don't know (laughs) what to do with it so you have to Think, and you have to be really creative. Like, what do I want to do? Maybe I need to pick up a new sport, a new activity, a new volunteer work. You know, I think volunteering is an amazing opportunity to connect with other compassionate, empathic people and to be there for others when you're going through a hard time too. Um, And, you know, don't do too much too soon. But I think it can be really, really helpful to focus out on others instead of just on your own stuff that's going on right now. So volunteering is a wonderful thing. um, And just filling in all the holes that that person left you with.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like using good things to fill up that hole. Yeah, yeah. It, It makes me remember, you know, I was... I'm hearing from a friend of mine, he was also he has he also speaks and he was talking about when you get rid of bad habits in your life, um, you don't just Live, you don't just get rid of the bad habits; you have to replace them with something else, something good. And that's I'm getting like a deja vu right now with you saying this, right? Also, like if let's go if let's go of that um, toxic relationship, you have to fill it up with something good. Actually, you have to fill it up with, for example, volunteering like at um in a local community, for example, or doing some humanitarian works, for example, things that are, are good, are impacting the world. That way, you are able to. You know, heal yourself also. Basically, being around people that you are making happy, you are making you are you are giving them a better life. It gives you a better life too, and heals you of all the trauma and all the um hurts that you've experienced in the past.
1: Yeah, it really does help. And and a lot of times people will feel like the the things that they've been through when they share them with others and are there for others that that gives them a sense of purpose and meaning. Not that anybody would choose the um, trauma. But when that trauma becomes purposeful and meaningful to others and helping others with that, then and and it deepens your empathy tremendously, then that can become something that's different than just sort of sitting alone in your apartment, wallowing in that trauma that usually doesn't go well or end well. And oftentimes people will go back to that um, abusive person. Or they will mm. connect with a new person that's just as bad, and that's mm. tragic because yes. that, you know, that's the old stuff that um, that really reinforces the very beginning of the toxic relationship with yourself. So it's yeah. extremely important that you heal, rebuild, uh, and put in new experiences and relationships that are healthy and compassionate and empathic.
0: Yes, yes. And this is making me remember um, in your book, you, you talk about, uh, you know, it's um, out of the fog into the clear. And Claire, you use clears as an um, acronym in your book for you know clarity, living, educate, awareness and rebuilding And I, I, I get the sense that we've talked about all of these stages in some ways like getting that clarity from journaling, writing the facts, writing the truths, the lies and living the toxic relationship, educating yourself and creating that, that awareness and rebuilding you know your um, rebuilding yourself basically rebuilding that sense of, of self again. yeah I don't know if you would love to add more strategies to this clear. It's for us to get a clearer picture of it.
1: Yeah, you just gave an awesome summary. Thank you, Toby. But um, the the part of the rebuilding too is learning good self-care and we all kind of stink at this. <laughs> 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 Our culture doesn't yeah. teach it. Nobody does it. It's just, yeah. So mm. um, self-care starts with deep breathing and self-calming and um, prayer and meditation, whatever flavor that is for you. Um, mm-hmm. it means eat, eating healthy, making sure you're sleeping at night um, mm-hmm. and taking care of of everything, every part of you, every yeah. aspect of you exercise, physical physical health. Um, mm-hmm. So there's all those things that again, we, when we're in a toxic relationship, we don't pay attention to ourselves at all. I've known people who come out of a toxic relationship and go to the doctor for the first time in 20 years. And that's, (laughs) wow, you know? So it's those kinds of things. It's everything from the very basic things of breathing, eating, sleeping, and um, all the way into, you know, your prayer and meditation and and connecting with, with what you believe. So that you feel a sense of meaning and purpose and, and a sense of peace and calm in your life. And all of that is so crucial. So I go through a lot yeah. of that and, and some more journal prompts around that in the end.
0: Yes, yes. And I think just to add to that, um, when you when you talk about the E-E E-Educate, it's about also picking up your book, picking up the book from Shannon and reading it, educate yourself and know better <laughs> and how to become a, a better being and, you know, how to get rid of the fog in your life and get into the, the clear. Yeah, that's that's just I'm, I'm not being paid for the advert, but it's just there <laughs> as an as an input. Yeah. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Charlie. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I would love to know, you know, just from your experience and your work as a substance, abu- um, substance abuse counselor, like, are they like some other things? I know relationships could cause, could lead to, um, could lead to substance abuse, but are they like some other things that are common that makes people begin to abuse substances and become toxic in that area
1: too? Yeah. So substance abuse is a very complex thing, and I think there's, we're still learning stuff about it, there are certainly genetic predispositions, but the also the tendency to just want what we want when we want it and not really want to have, you know, delay gratification and want more of the things that are extremely addictive. So a lot of the substances these days are just plain addictive. So even if you have no genetic history, even if you don't have other stressors in your life, if you get. Involved in some drugs, they will what? escalate on you, and they will, you know, take you down the tubes and and destroy your life. And so, for a lot of people, it means um, again, sort of looking at the reality: this is what my life used to be like. This is what my life is like now. Looking at the reality of that, and then recognizing, I don't want to live this way anymore. Um, mm-hmm. There's sort of a an old thought that you have to hit bottom, and mm-hmm. um, you know, in the in the AA and Al-Anon communities, the new underst newer understanding is bottom is wherever you stop digging. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> OK. So the bottom of a yeah. hole is wherever you stop digging. So it could be mm-hmm. like, wow, I don't think I feel that great when I go out drinking on Friday night. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel crappy on Saturday morning and mm-hmm. I don't think I want to do that anymore, you know. I kind of ruin all, all week of being healthy and eating healthy in that one night. So it can be that simple or it can be, oh my gosh, I'm in jail, <laughs> you know, because I caught, caught um, drunk driving or mm-hmm. um, or was trying to sell drugs because I can't afford my drugs anymore. So it can be wherever you stop digging. It can be, wow, that was terrible and I I'm just done. Or it can be not until you've had an overdose or many overdoses. And that's Mm -hmm. the tricky thing. Um, When you love somebody who has an addiction, what's really important is to recognize that you can extend the bottom bottom. basically by enabling too much. So -hmm. if you're helping them, if you're lying for them, if you're supporting them, even though they um, are kind of going down the tubes with their substances you might be um, digging the bottom deeper for them. And that might actually put them, you're doing it out of love, but it might mm-hmm. actually put them at a greater risk because you're making them go deeper into the bottom before they stop. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. Yes. Yeah, I mean, what you just said right now is uh, it strikes in that a nerve a little because sometimes we, we, we think... Yeah, I know. I know you are suffering, or you are too addictive, um, addicted to this substance. But because I, I love you so much, um, and let me just give you this twenty dollars to go and buy, yeah, whatever you want to buy. You know, because I know without it you can't cope, and I can see you suffering. Let me just help you or cover up for you in some ways or the other. Right. And that's that's hurt, that's hurtful for them in the in the long run. Right. That love is actually hatred in the real sense towards them.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, that $20 could buy the fentanyl that kills them. So mm-hmm. it's just a really, it's a it's a really tough thing. But for a lot of people, and especially, you know, spouses or parents of addicts, what they need to do is the sort of tough love approach, which means, you know, I'm not going to give you anything unless or until you're in treatment. So when someone is mm-hmm. really bad off, then they and they need to go to treatment then you have to yeah. kind of withhold um, relationship and support until they get into treatment and then and mm. then support them in as yeah. long as they're in their recovery. But supporting them in their addiction is just helping them to go deeper into that hole.
0: Mm. Wow. Shannon, I've learned so much from you in this conversation <laughs> or in this episode. Like I could go on and on, but wow i would love people to, to get a book it's available on amazon the link to your website will be in the short of this episode i encourage people to visit the website read the reviews there are a lot of testimonials on the website just to convince you that it's a great read and also you could read the the preview of the book also on amazon and yeah just get out of the fog into the clear and um become a better being all through. and you know avoid um toxic relationship improve your cryptometer (laughs) yeah and become yeah yeah just avoid those those um, traumatic um experiences that one could basically avoid in life i don't know if you you have a a closing remark if you have a word of advice for people out there in toxic relationship that you know they find difficult to leave, or people that are under the addiction of a substance for example i don't know if you have something to share with them as a closing remark
1: You know, everybody is is created to be somebody wonderful and amazing. And and I just really encourage people to find their truths and and uh, let go of the old lies, let go of the old stories, um, heal from the inside out and start start that work as soon as possible. And then set boundaries with others and, and rebuild your life.
0: Yes. Rebuild your life. Wow. Um, what's the best way to connect with you in case there's someone out there who has more questions to ask you, like maybe we didn't cover everything in this conversation. I'm sure we didn't cover everything in this conversation. <laughs> there are people that are out there who, who still have to check your YouTube channel, for example, and buy your book, but maybe they want to speak with you directly, get some you know, personal one-on-one counseling from you. What's the best way to do, to do this?
1: Well, my, my private practice is extremely busy and I also am licensed only in Arizona, Texas, and Hawaii. So I can't really do, um, therapy with other people, um, that don't live in those states. And, uh, like I said, my practice is very busy, but I always answer comments left on my YouTube channel and emails sent to therapist And so, uh, those are the two ways to reach me and, And I do live streams every other Sunday afternoon. Um, So Mm -hmm. if you have a question, I will address it in the live stream as well. And so getting on any of my uh, videos on therapist talks on YouTube and asking a question and I will put it into my live stream the following week.
0: Awesome. That's good. Thank you so much, Shannon. I really appreciate this. All of this information will be available in the show notes of this episode once again. Thank you so, so much for enlightening us about toxic relationships how to identify them how to get out of the fog into the clear and how to become better being how to avoid substance abuse amazing things to make us better (laughs) human beings basically thank you so much i
1: appreciate this thank you toby this has absolutely been wonderful i've really enjoyed talking with you
0: wow you made it to the very end of this episode Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.